Thank you for tuning in to the Mile 40 podcast. I am Beshoy Tadros, the author of Break Barriers and Audacious, both of which are sold on Amazon. And I invite you to join me as I engage with guests to discuss those bounce back moments that we encounter on our personal journey. Mile 40 is a forum to learn about how athletes, professionals, and leaders of all backgrounds stare down moments in life where the only option is to rise up. The Mile 40 podcast strives to remind listeners that the comeback is always greater than the setback. Welcome back to another episode of the Mile 40 Podcast. I am really excited for today's episode. Uh, before we dive in, want to give a reminder to the listeners. If you haven't already, please be sure to hit subscribe on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, check out Mile 40 on Instagram, uh, and follow along for the journey. Uh, it just continues to grow and grow, and I want to say thank you to you all. Today's guest is Yosef Herzog. Yosef is a New York native born and raised in Brooklyn. He's currently the senior stage manager at NBC's Today Show and Rockefeller Center. He loves to travel and see live music in his free time. Yosef began his weight loss journey and his running journey at age 29 when he decided to start living a healthy lifestyle. And from there, he was featured in Men's Health. Yosef has run six marathons and 13 half marathons to date. He's currently training for the New York City Marathon this November. Yosef, thank you for joining me today. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Of course, of course. Um, I will be out there with you this November. I'm excited. Um, are you uh, in training mode yet? Um, uh, yeah, you know, I just got back from a vacation, so I'm slowly easing myself uh, back into a training program. Got but, it. Yeah, I would say I am officially in training mode. Awesome. And I see, or, or I read up that you uh, you run with Brooklyn Track Club. Are you still running with them? Yes, I train and run with Brooklyn Track Club. Um, additionally, I'm. Um, uh, training uh, this marathon cycle with uh, Lululemon's No Name program. Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, well, we'll definitely dive into the running and how we got there. But let's take a quick step back. Um, you know, one of the things that really uh, stands about stands out about your journey and one of the headlines that I read up prior prior to this recording was you lost 50 pounds in five months. Um, and that's no small feat. So why don't you give us some background on how we even got to the point of needing to lose weight? Uh, so in my um, college years, I played uh, D3 volleyball and it didn't keep me in perfect shape, but it definitely kept my exercise levels up and uh, combined with the younger metabolism. I didn't really have to think twice about staying healthy or staying in shape uh, until I finished school and um, exercise wasn't part of my routine anymore. In my 20s, um, unhealthy habits kind of slowly crept up and eventually got to a point where I had put on uh, way too much extra weight and had developed some real unhealthy eating habits uh, combined with the lack of exercise. By the time I, I was getting up in the, to my late 20s, I just started to feel uh, consistently unhealthy and I was sluggish and or just in general didn't feel great about myself. Um, so I got to this point where I just felt like I needed to make a change. And although I had kind of been toying with the idea for a while, uh, there was just one day I remember specifically when I was 29 in September and I was just out of breath tying my shoes. And I just thought, that's it. You know, today's the day. Uh, I joined the gym at work, bought some new workout clothes, and um, I changed my diet completely. Did a total 180, started exercising regularly. And that was the start. And I've never looked back. I love it. And I know that before you were on the Today Show, you worked in finance for a little bit. Were you in finance during that period? 
I was in finance right out of school. So in the beginning, uh, when I really started to develop unhealthy habits and have long hours at work and uh, would opt for fast food over healthy food. Yeah, that's kind of when it all started to go a little bit downhill. Got it. Um, aside from the realization around needing to change things uh, from a physical perspective, how are you feeling about yourself, you know, just overall mentally and emotionally during that period? It definitely uh, added to my motivation to make a change from uh, my mental state. Um, my confidence was low. I didn't love the way I felt or the way I looked. And, you know, it all just kind of culminated into one catalyst that I realized I just needed to make a change to make myself feel better, uh, look better, and just have a generally more positive outlook on life. Got it. And, um, you know, you had an athletic background, obviously playing volleyball in college. So you knew what to do when you decided to put uh, the wheels in motion. But still, 50 pounds in five months, you know, that that's pretty dramatic decline in, in a positive way. Uh, what was your regimen like during those five months? Yes and no, because I mean, I didn't really learn the skills and tools um, to know what I needed to do from my collegiate uh, athletic background. I mean, uh, it was more just the bare minimum of practice and getting to the games and getting through them. But uh, once I started uh, developing a, a routine uh, to put myself into a more healthy space, uh, I realized I need a little bit extra help. So I turned to the fitness specialists who were at the fitness center um, at the gym I started, which was the gym at NBC. And they kind of helped me uh, go on the right track in terms of strength training. And um, I just uh, started asking um, different uh, nutritionists and health specialists that were on my show for different tips and eventually just came around uh, with my own kind of regimen that I developed and that I've been using ever since. And whenever my friends ask, like, what have you done? Like, what, what can I do to make a change? You know, honestly, everyone is kind of secretly hoping I'm going to tell them some, some quick fix or a pill or whatever the new fad diet is. But really, it's all these tools and, and uh, things that you know already that you need to do but just um, don't want to in general. And like, that's how it worked for me. Like it was things like eating cleaner and exercising regularly that I knew would work as a whole. I was just reluctant to start because it was such a big hill to start to mount. But once you start doing it and you start doing it consistently, you start to see results eventually, even if it's after 10 weeks, you realize that it works and that you want to keep going and keep doing it. Was there a part of it that was harder for you, whether it was uh, committing to the gym or changing up your diet? Um, you know, was there one element that was a little bit that you were maybe a little bit more resistant to, or were you kind of open to both of them? I I was definitely open to both, but in general, you know, I, at first it was a little difficult to um, uh, abstain and and uh, miss. I missed a lot of the foods that I was uh, used to eating. Uh, the exercise was was also physically difficult at first, but I, I took to it. I started to uh, enjoy it and find um, a, a way to exercise that I didn't, you know, wake up hating every day. So for me, whether that was a hit class or slow jogging in the beginning or or uh, just a low level weight regimen, uh, I just found ways to enjoy the exercise I was doing and paired with the healthy eating habits I had uh, started to develop. It was um, just a good combination that worked for me. Was there any sort of, I guess, personal, and this might sound dramatic, awakening? Once you got into shape now, right? Your confidence is built up. You're feeling good about yourself. Um, did anything else transpire within your own like personal journey after 
gaining that confidence? Did you see um, you know, things changing in your career trajectory and your relationships? Um, anything that you can speak to with regards to, you know, once you started taking care of yourself, how did the rest of the cards fall for you? Well, you know, to me it just kind of felt like it happened naturally because um I'd say for a while it took it took my my mind and my personality a while to catch up with with my body with the changes that I had made. And in the beginning, um, when I started uh, making these changes, you know, took like you mentioned um, uh, about five months total. But the first ten weeks, I didn't see any change, and I was starting to get down about it. But then eventually, over ten weeks, I lost thirty pounds, added in a weight regimen, and over another uh, couple months, lost another thirty pounds, and then put on a few pounds of uh, a muscle properly with the help of fitness specialists. But yeah, I mean, it, it really was uh, a very slow build, and it really didn't happen until I remember I, I took a vacation to Hawaii um, the the April after I started to to make these changes, like eight or nine months, and and I realized that I looked different, I felt different, and it started to uh, make me feel more confident. So there's nothing drastic that I specifically all of a sudden had a moment where like yeah. I look good and feel good, but over a while, I just started to realize like how beneficial just consistent exercise and clean eating can be for you uh, mentally as well as physically. Like it just has an overall uh, sense of, of positivity and just how I approach things from yeah. uh, that perspective changed completely. No, I appreciate that context. And, you know, sometimes people go through these transformations, if you will. And even though on the outside, they're starting to look more refined and they're, you know, they, they have that build. To your point, sometimes there's that mental aspect catching up to, you know, kind of unify with the new identity or to kind of understand, you know, who we are. Are we still mentally the person that we were before this journey started? Or are we, do we have more of a growth mindset now around understanding the impact of committing ourselves uh, physically and to the nutrition aspect? And are we going to continue to look for new ways to grow in other arenas of our lives? And so, you know, Absolutely. contextually, yeah, contextually appreciate that. Now, you had mentioned during that period you were at NBC. So let's take an even further step back and talk about um, the transition from finance to NBC. What spurred that? Um, and we can go from there. Well, when I first uh, decided on a major in in college, I kind of felt um, like I was going with the flow with uh, a few of the different majors that the university I attended uh, kind of pushed us towards and geared us towards. And I selected finance. I thought it would be something I'd be interested in. And I graduated and I got a good job and I started working and pretty much immediately realized that it was not something that I would enjoy doing long term. Like in short, like I really just disliked it and knew that I wanted to make a change and that if I was going to uh, really just turn my career on its side, it would have to be sooner rather than later before other responsibilities, uh, personal or financial, just started to develop for me. So I looked into different options, spoke to some people, and I realized that there was this um, amazing program at NBC that existed called the PAGE program, where um, you... Uh, basically have the opportunity to be in this pipeline program at NBC. And in addition to giving the studio tours to the public, have the opportunity to uh, work in different assignments around the company at different uh, shows or departments like Saturday Night Live, Jimmy Fallon, the USA Network, uh, Bravo, things like that. So um, it was, although it was super competitive, um, I applied and I just took a shot in the dark. And I think um, the program after interviewing with them really appreciated that I was willing to sacrifice an already established 
uh, career that I just gotten off the ground and um, uh, a very um, you know decent salary for the sake of following my dream, my passion. And at the time, that meant uh, making $10 an hour giving tours at NBC. Hmm. But once they accepted me, I just went all in. I, I quit my job. I started a few weeks later. And after my year in the page program, I was fortunate to get a production assistant job at the Today Show. And I've been there ever since, just working hard and enjoying what I do. I work with good people and I have the opportunity to travel, uh, meet interesting people. So, um, yeah, I really uh, only have positive thoughts about it and zero regret about yeah, my finance career. That's for sure. That's awesome. And, you know, one of the things that I've noticed about you and, and just from a social media perspective is you seem to truly enjoy what you do. And very few people uh, can say that about, you know, what it is that they do for a living. And so um, I love that, you know, you talk about leaving finance and the security of finance to uh, take on a role in this program for $10 an hour. And I'm sure there's a lot of people listening to this episode right now. And these stories are real people like this is a real story. Uh, and, um, you know, definitely a source of inspiration there. For for the context of the audience, can you explain uh, what it is you do as a stage manager and, and just kind of give them um, maybe even a, a little timeline uh, of your trajectory with in the organization so they understand the, the kinds of roles that you've worked in. Sure. So um, to start with, the, the concept of my job is basically um, I'm a floor director in the studio while the show is happening live. So um, I wear a headset and I'm chatting with my director and associate director who are located in a control room uh, in a different area than the studio. And my director is directing the show uh, in addition to what's on the studio floor. He directs the graphics and the audio and all the things you see on screen when you watch a show on TV. And I'm essentially uh, his eyes and ears and the director in the studio um, directing the anchors uh, to which camera they should be looking at at all times. When they start speaking, when they stop speaking, how much time is left in an interview, uh, where to go next, where the cameras go next, or if we have a concert that day or a fashion show. The stage managers are the ones who deal with the choreography of all that, of who goes where, when they go there. It's all timed and precise since we have to fit everything in very specific blocks of windows. So that's in a nutshell what I'm doing. I'm the one standing next to the camera giving visual cues while the show is happening. Um, and this is the job I've essentially held for a little over 11 years now. Uh, before that, I was a production assistant, as I mentioned, at the show. And before that, when I was a page, I had the opportunity to work in assignments um, as the seating director at Saturday Night Live, um, the seating director at Late Night with Jimmy Fallon. When it was a late night show, I worked at CNBC. Um, so I've just really had these really interesting and amazing opportunities that combined with um, other experiences I've had really just enabled me to to find this this opportunity and this job as a stage manager and just let it grow and be something that I really enjoy doing and that I've become good at. How much um, is, of your job is preparation versus how much of it is happening in real time? So um, I like to describe a lot of uh, what I do in my job versus what a producer on my job does uh, and my show does as um, the producers kind of uh, develop the show in terms of uh, what will be on it, the editorial content, uh, and deciding the long-term vision and day-to-day -day how they want the show to, to kind of look. And the production team with the director and myself and the rest of my team, we do the how, how it will go on the air, what it will look like, um, how it will sound, and all the kind of technical aspects that go into that go into uh, producing and broadcasting a live show on a daily basis. Got it. Got it. Have you? I, I take it that it's a job that you just have to be on all the time, like when, especially when it's live, right? 
Yeah. So in terms of preparation, um, the producers are the ones who more uh, prepare the show for the following day or the following week or uh, long-term schedule in the upcoming months. Whereas um, my job to prepare is usually the day of, or sometimes yep. a little bit the day before, uh, where we come in and rehearse uh, segments that are new or music uh, that is new for that day, the day of those hours before the show. But once the show goes on the air at 7 a.m., mm-hmm. You know, Lauren Michaels likes to say that Saturday Night Live happens uh, not because they're ready, but because it's 1130 and it's time for the show. So, you know, I think of the same concept when it comes to my show that at 7 a.m., like the show is happening, whether we're perfectly ready for it or not. So the best we can do is just make sure we're properly prepared. Uh, We go on the air. The show is on every day live from 7 to 11. Uh, I work on a good chunk of that. Um, and it's on 350, 363 days a year, I would say, um, as an approximation, since we're on tape for Christmas and New Year's. Wow. We have a different t- the weekends, thankfully, so I only work Monday through Friday. But yeah, it's a high-stress, high-pressure environment where when the show is on, we're on. You know, It's not um, like the job I had previously, where there were some periods of downtime where I could just sit at my desk and, you know, save my projects for later when I worked in finance. And as long as the work got done, it didn't matter exactly how I managed that schedule with this job. Uh, it's kind of like a, like a service worker, you know, if you're there and the, 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 the act that needs to happen is happening, you need to be there. You need to be on and you need to be working and making sure everything goes right. Not missing a cue and that everything goes perfectly. And although the public might not notice every little thing, if it goes wrong, we do, you know, we're always our own critics and, you know, our own, uh, the ones that, that take it the hardest. So we know when it goes wrong and what happens when it's not supposed to look a certain way. So yeah, it's definitely that kind of environment. I got it. Wow. Is it fair to say that no two days are the same? Although the show follows a similar structure every day, uh, you know, I'd like to think it's, um, same, but different because, um, there's always slightly different guests and different content, different topics. So yeah, no two shows are exactly the same. There's always different news to report and different ways to report it and different entertainment or interviews. Those kinds of things are always changing. So it keeps it interesting, keeps it fresh. And to me, it's always something new. I love it. And I, I, you know, I think to the outsider, they may think, you know, he covered this or he covered this person and, and that must be really cool. But to you, is there a specific day, event, uh, guest that came on that kind of stands out as an experience that, you know, kind of, made you really reflect on just being where you are and, and kind of feeling fortunate for that opportunity. Absolutely. I mean, it's always interesting when there's people um, that I grew up uh, idolizing or following, whether it's a musician or an actor. And then when they come on, it's really fascinating to meet them in person. But in terms of overall experiences, I have to say the most amazing opportunity um, I have with the show is being able to travel to and work on our show while we attend the Olympics uh, mm-hmm. every two years. And every time that happens, I definitely sit back and then look at over, you know, the background of wherever we are, whether it's been Sochi or Rio or Pyeongchang, and just think, um, how lucky am I that I get to travel to these places and work with these people and uh, be at the Olympics? It's something I never would have dreamed of if you had told me in college, like, what do you think you're going to be end up uh, end up being doing in a few years? It's never something I would have guessed. Hey, all, it's me, Bishoy. As a marathon runner and endurance athlete, I've come to understand the importance of properly fueling your body for preparation and recovery. Every day, you get a shot at success. How you start your day typically paints a picture of what the rest of the day will look like. 
Start your day with a super convenient, healthy, and delicious nutritional win. Meal one by Creatures of Habit. Overnight oatmeal packed with 30 grams of plant-based protein, chia, flax, and pumpkin seeds. Vitamin D3, omega-3s, a probiotic, and digestive enzymes made in under one minute. Stop wasting time or worrying about what to eat as your first meal of the day. Start with meal one. Visit creaturesofhabit.com, creatures spelled with a K, and use code MILE40 for 15% off a one-time purchase or the first subscription order payment. That's amazing. Um, and, and really ties in well here, um, which kind of leads me to my next area of conversation that I want to dig into a little bit is your marathon journey. At what point did you start to kind of delve into the running world post the weight loss journey? So when I started the weight loss journey, it was, it was purely that. It was to lose some weight and um, not even to like get in shape in the sense that you think of like someone is a bodybuilder or someone's um, you know just trying to look a certain way. For me, I really wanted to feel differently and lose some weight because I knew that it would just make my health improve overall. So to do that, I began uh, with what I thought would be the most efficient way to do it, and that was running. And I couldn't really go far. I couldn't go fast in the beginning. And it was more of a walk-run situation. But I promised myself, uh, you're going to run 30 minutes and hit you know, three miles or 30 minutes, whatever came first, every day. And I probably should have taken some rest days in the beginning. But I did that seven days a week for 10 weeks. And that's when the weight started to fall off. And then I started to space it out a bit and add in the weight routine, as I mentioned earlier. But once I lost the weight and I thought, okay, I definitely feel better and I look better than I than I used to, um, you know, I kind of, uh, developed an affinity for running and, and I liked it. So I thought, okay, now let's see how much further I can go and how much faster I can do it. And then a friend of mine signed me up for a 10 K and I tried that and I kind of enjoyed the competitive edge about it. Um, and that was about eight or nine months after I had started my journey. And then the following, uh, March, I had signed up for the New York city half. And that was the first half marathon I did in 2016. And again, you know, I just really kind of got into it. I like the routine of it. I like the process, the structure of the training. It keeps me grounded. And in general, I'd say I really enjoyed the the process and the training program more than the actual race. Um, and it's just been something that's really become part of my life in a way that it keeps me in a routine. And, you know, routines and structure have always been kind of good for me. So this is one that I've enjoyed uh, discovering. And I hope I'm going to be able to do it for a while. You bring up routine and structure. And we talked about this before we hopped on and I read in an article, you get up pretty early in the morning. So you get up at 4.30 in the morning, Monday through yeah. Friday, correct? Yeah. So yeah, where, where, does the, where, where does the training fall in here? Are you, you working out in the morning? Or are you working out after work? Um, a little bit of both. I try to... Uh, we have uh, uh, the gym at NBC that I got yeah. started at. I'm fortunate to have that convenience. So I try to go and uh, do some weight training after the show every day, yep. uh, about 10 or 11 a.m. And uh, then I go home and take a nap, which is <laughs> real nice. I've become quite used to that. And that's kind of how I, I use um, do my sleep structure. I split it up a bit, a few hours in the afternoon and a few hours at night. Yeah. And then I do my uh, running and training um, in the evenings when I do it. So yeah. it's kind of become that kind of uh, schedule and regimen. Uh, and just, you know, to kind of give a listeners a little bit of insight into you and, and your life, where does your social life come in, right? I mean, you are working a job that kind of calls for you to wake up super early in the morning. 
come back, you're napping, you're also very, you know, focused on your regimen and working out. Um, do you have, you know, a chance for the occasional dinner midweek or are you saving a lot of your social life for the weekend? I do save a lot of it for the weekend, but yeah, I make it work um, on weeknights if I wanted to. Um, I mean, I go to sleep later than one probably would think. Oh, really? But because I nap in the afternoon, I end up going to sleep around 11 o'clock at night. So I definitely have time to uh, train and have a social life for plans at night if I do choose to. Yeah. Uh, otherwise, yeah, that's where the weekends come in. Got and, it. you know, I try to make it all work. And, you know, it's like it's like anything else when it comes to anything, when it comes to, with time management. If, if you want to make the work, you will. Yeah. And that's that's the gist of it. So whatever I want to make happen in my life, I, I try to make time for it. Got it. Travel, yeah, I mean, live music or running, whatever it is. And if I want to do it, I'll find a way. I love it. Yeah, you caught me off guard there. I thought for sure you went to bed earlier. So that yeah, that, that makes sense. Yeah, uh, at least 11 usually. Got it. Very cool. Um, so back to the... When was your first marathon? First marathon was November 2017, New York City. Got it. And I remember you had shared with me that you had... Was that the one that you fundraised for? So the first one I had fundraised for was the half marathon in 2016. Got it. Uh, and I took up the cause of the Leukemia Lymphoma Society. Yep. Um, my mother had been diagnosed with uh, multiple myeloma several years prior. So it was a cause that was uh, near and dear to me. Uh, eventually, I started to participate in um, New York Roadrunners 9 Plus 1 program and gain entry to the marathons that way. But LLS has always still been uh, a cause that when I can, I raise money for or support. Got it. And outside of New York, have you run any other marathons? Yeah, I've done um, Berlin, Chicago, and London. I remember when I started running and I signed up for my first marathon, um, we did this. Uh, I had signed up for group running originally through Nike. They had this program called Project Moonshot. Okay. And it was an amazing marathon training program that uh, I got into for 2018. That was the first time I, I delved into the, uh, the concept of group running, which was foreign to me. And in this program, at the end of it, they did this really cool um, local uh, ad campaign with Nike that was on billboards billboards all around New York. And they kind of asked us uh, when we were shooting it, like, what's your your moonshot? Like, what's your ultimate goal that you thought was never possible that you want to complete one day? And for me, I remember uh, a couple of things I mentioned was one, you know, when I started, it was not being out of breath tying my shoes and, you know, scratch that off the list. And the other one was... Uh, Accomplishing all six of the world major marathons. Yeah. Um, so those six are uh, New York, Chicago, uh, Boston, London, Berlin, and Tokyo. So at this point, I'm, I'm four done, two to go. So close to it. So it's it's been pretty interesting to see how that's that's happened over the years. And that started about eight or nine years ago. I love it. You but and I are right on the same track. I'm actually I'm running Berlin in September. Anything you want to tell me about Berlin? Oh, amazing. Yeah, you'll have a great time. I mean, you know, stay kind of within a mile of the, of the start and finish line. Uh, it's a pretty flat race, just a few turns. I'd recommend uh, going on YouTube and taking the uh, like five minutes to watch one of those videos where they literally drive through the course so you can just wrap your mind around it. Otherwise, I mean, if you're training in New York for, for Berlin, then I think you're, you'll be very qualified because it's very flat and that doesn't make it easy. It just makes it yeah. easier than the New York course. Yeah, no, I, I hear that. I, I, that's what I heard. If you're training in Central Park, you should be okay for uh, uh, the Berlin course. I'm, I'm, I'm really right. looking forward to that. And um, yeah, a great time. 
I, I appreciate the parallel here because I, I relate a lot to your story and your journey um, and the different aspects of it. I remember the times in my life um, where for me, my my weight loss journey, if you will, started uh, my sophomore year in college where I kind of had a similar moment where I just kind of perked down, realized like, it shouldn't be taking this much energy to do some of the things that I was doing. Um, and then I committed to a summer um, and then shed the weight, never looked back. But then it was several years later where similarly to you, I, I decided to get into the running circuit. And then ultimately for my first marathon, decided to fundraise for LLS as well. Um, and so I can really appreciate the parallels um, across your, your journey. And we've really hit on um, a lot of the the main points. Uh, but what I really want to kind of dive into is a little bit more around um, your mindset as it pertains to obstacles that might come along your way going forward, right? Like you've talked about how you address the weight loss. You talk about um, how you you faced, um, you know, the marathon climb head on. And um, you talked about honestly, like such a positive attitude about switching industries, knowing that you were going to take a pretty significant pay cut. Where does that mentality of uh, taking on new challenges head-on kind of derive from? Um, well, for a good part of my life, uh, especially early on, you know, it's um, it was pretty risk-free, and I went with went with the flow and attended the schools that I was told to attend and did the things I was supposed to do. I didn't really come across any kind of uh, turning points or crossroads in my life until I had to make that first decision. So that was definitely the first time where I had to sit down and, and just have a conversation with myself and think like, if you want to do what you think will make you happy, you're going to have to take a risk here and, and tackle that kind of adversity head on and make a decision and just hope it pans out. But I mean, ever since I started running, especially competitively with myself and running marathons, there definitely have been obstacles that come up that, that get me down. And, you know, I really try to stay positive because negative outlooks don't really get you uh, a whole lot. And the obstacles that come up the most, as any uh, seasoned runner will will tell you, is injuries. Injuries happen all the time, and I've had plenty of them. You know, from a stress fracture in my heel, uh, diagnosed three days before the Brooklyn Half Marathon a few years ago, to just your standard uh, hamstring strains or IT band syndrome. And then a few years ago, I uh, I, I had some pain in my knee and uh we took an mri and turns out i had a a, a medial tear in my meniscus that needed mm -hmm. surgery so i had surgery and this was about uh three weeks before i went to tokyo with work for the olympics ended up there in a little, huge leg brace and then had to do you know go through physical therapy which again as any runner will tell you is not fun and real tedious when you need to recover from an injury like that but those things come up and, you know, it's just uh, a matter of, of knowing that if you do want to do something like this long term and be healthy and be able to do something that you really enjoy when it comes to sport and athletics like running, uh, especially as I get older and I realize that time is not on my side here, uh, you got to take care of yourself. And when injuries come up, you deal with them. Um, and yeah, you know, that's that's really been the biggest obstacle, the injuries that inevitably come up and sideline you from doing something that makes you feel good. You know, it's interesting you bring that up. And I've talked about this before on the show, and I know you alluded to it earlier too, when you said that when you first started, you know, seven days a week, you were going at it. And it, 
took you a, a while probably to realize that you shouldn't be running seven days a week. And and similarly to me, like when I first started, I talk about mile 20 or 23 at my first marathon and how like, like I broke down because like I overworked myself. My, my legs were shot. I was in pain. I definitely injured myself, you know, through all that training. And it wasn't until, you know, marathon five or six for me where like, I realized like, like you, you don't need to be running four, five, six days a week. What you need to be doing is you need to be, you know, balancing it out. You need to emphasize the importance of recovery. And this is all to say, do you have a routine around recovery that you could share or just any tips around what you do to focus on recovery? Sure. And again, you know, everyone's different. Some people are going to run seven days a week. And if that works for them and their body can tolerate it, then all the more to them. But for people like me, you know, I realized that seven days a week was not healthy. And I try to take at least even at peak marathon training, uh, I do one day a week where I don't run or do any exercise at all. Uh, but in general, I try to cross train. Um, I like to spin. Uh, I like to do Pilates. And I like to do things, um, you know, that make me feel good, but work out at the same time. So if my body's telling me like, you need a rest day, like I'll take a rest day. I've come to a point where I know that like, if I take a day off or I go on vacation and I don't work out uh, regularly for two weeks, I'm not going to snap back to uh, the way I was prior to getting in shape and the weight's not going to come pouring back on. You know, it did take me a while to, to kind of conceptualize and, 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 and understand that that's not going to happen. And that's mostly in my head. But at this point, you know, I feel like I've developed a healthy relationship with working out and with food. And I know what I need to do to stay in shape of how I want. And that, you know, if I want to eat something that I don't usually eat, I'm going to do it. I'm not going to hold back because the more you abstain from something and never let yourself do it, the more likely you're just going to be to binge it when you have the opportunity to, or, you know, like, like a fad diet when it's over, you're just going to snap back to the way it was before. So the idea is to, to develop and, and create something for yourself. That's more of a long-term solution, like a lifestyle change where you might have a couple ups and downs in the middle of it, but in general, it's just going to be a steady, consistent path for you. Absolutely. My final question for you is really around sources of inspiration. You know, it seems like um, a lot of the uh, momentum for your journey came from self-reflection and came from maybe looking yourself in the mirror um, and deciding to make a change. Are there any um, outside sources of inspiration, whether it's someone who's impacted you throughout your life or whether uh, it's a book or or something that you kind of lean into with regards to uh, how you carry forward as an athlete and as an individual? I mean, in general, um, I had always been inspired by other weight loss stories and at the time that I decided to start mine, I had a roommate named Matt who had just lost some weight. Uh, and he definitely inspired me to, to get things going after procrastinating for so long. Uh, and then as I go along in, in my journey and, and my current life and the way I train now, I'm constantly inspired by the teammates I train with um, all around me in Brooklyn Track Club or any other running partners I have. And, you know, every time I think um, I don't want to run today, the weather's not great, I'm not feeling great, I can, you know... I see all my friends out there and they're doing it. Everyone's training and everyone's still going. And, you know, that, that keeps me up. That inspires me for sure. And, you know, it just makes me think that I just want to keep going. I love it. Yeah, there really is no community like the running community here in New York and the people. Uh, that's one of the things I love about New York City. The fitness scene here is like nowhere else where you are going to see people... Amazing. 
Yeah, you're going to see people running on the coldest days of the year, you know, regardless yep. of the conditions, regardless of what's going out there. Um, there's always going to be someone out there at the park doing their pull-ups and just showing you that it could be done. Um, and so I love that answer. I just yeah, want to say... Yeah, go ahead. I'm always the one, you know, my friends who don't run always are the ones that poke fun at me because I'm the one who wakes up early to to do that 10 to 15 mile uh, marathon training run on the side of a a two mile stretch of the Tennessee highway, or I'm at a music festival waking up early, running around the camping grounds to get my run in. And, you know, like sometimes you do feel like the odd man out, but overall it's, it's the kind of things that I like to do and keep me going. I love it. And I'm right there with you. I, I know all about that. It could feel, you know, <laughs> on the surface, a little isolating, but on the mm-hmm. inside, you know why you do what you do. Um, and, and that propels you forward. So thank you for that context. And thank you for coming on, man. It was really good having you on the show today. Um, I love your story because there are so many elements of it that people could pick up and and just kind of drive inspiration from, whether it's around weight loss, whether it's around leaving a job that's not fulfilling to you, um, and and just kind of getting after it, setting that structure um, and understanding that a lot of times change can come from just that you know, reflection in the mirror and just kind of looking at yourself and deciding, you know, it's time for a change. So um, thank you for coming on to Mile 40 today. It's been my pleasure. Thanks for having me. It's been great chatting with you. You got it. Thank you for listening today. If you enjoyed this episode of the Mile 40 Podcast, go ahead, subscribe, leave a review, and share the word. Thank you for being a part of the Mile 40 family. And let's unite in showing the world that comebacks are always greater than setbacks.